Your arms are all what? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't realize you started the thing. <laughs> we've we've mentioned our vicious cat, little Elphaba, and uh, she's been particularly wild tonight. Yeah, I have I have some uh, battle scars from little kitty Elfie. <laughs> little kitty Elfie who has like the sweetest kitty face and will sometimes just sprawl all over Lyric and just you know cuddle and cuddle and cuddle, but will also you know. Swipe at her with her dagger claws. Yeah, well, she didn't swipe at me. She leapt at me from across the room and latched onto my arm and wouldn't let go. Ah! <laughs> it was one of those. <laughs> one of those days. Well, welcome, everyone, to another edition of Talkin' Tolkien. I'm David. I'm Lyric. And we're sorry we're putting these episodes out so slowly these days. We used to do every week. It's been every other week for, like, the past, like, month or so. Yeah, we're trying. Just takes us a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I also feel like, again, I mentioned this before, but I was like, man, I got like all this prep work and all this stuff done. It's like, well, I I read the chapter. We'll we'll have a lot to talk about. There was a lot to talk about in this. In this yeah, chapter. there's a lot of things that happened in this chapter. Yeah, I've read it twice. So. Ooh, look at you, you, Miss <laughs> Overachiever. Yes. Um. Yeah. This week we are covering a journey. Was it a journey? Yes, a journey in the dark. A journey and, in the dark. And of course, we're not talking about Steve Perry and the gang. We're talking about <laughs> like that, didn't you? It was funny. Yes, I make <laughs> jokes. No, we're talking about. Uh, uh, well, Lyric, what? Why are they journeying in the dark? They're journeying in the dark because everything has gone bad, and they need to. They're journeying in the dark because they're going into Moria. Yes. And dark in there. Yes, it is. Cut to <laughs> mine. They're basically run out of options. They, in the last chapter, they tried uh, traveling over the mountains, and it seemed <laughs> The that mountain said no. The mountain said, yeah, I mean, literally, the uh, last sentence on page 294 says, Caradrus has de- had defeated them, which, again, was one of my favorite lines in the entire chapter. Because, you know, it's like the the elements are like actively working against them, and now they're they're forced into a a terrible terrible decision where they're basically like, well, this is the road that we didn't want to take because it's going through the mountains, and but at the same time, this is not really what Sauron would expect, and so like we might be in danger from other stuff, but Sauron's probably not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, kind of like as they're discussing what they're going to do next, uh, one thing that I highlighted was that Boromir is saying about Moria, nor do I see the need to go there. If we cannot cross the mountains, let us journey southwards until we come to the Gap of Rohan, where men are friendly to my people, taking the road that I followed on my way hither. It's it's not about you, bro. <laughs> Yeah, what what page is that on again? Because I know what you're talking That's about. That's at the top of page 296. Um, as they're, again, like, as they're discussing where they're going to go, and Boromir's just like, let's go to where people like me. Yeah, but uh, Gandalf's quick to to point out that, oh gosh, I am I am having a a hard time finding the actual quote <laughs> it's at the top of page 296 it's the second paragraph is what i just read yes okay yeah i'm seeing it now i just didn't underline your quote but 
uh, right below that, uh, Gandalf basically says, things have changed since you came north, Boromir. Uh, did you not hear of what I told you of Saruman? With him, I may have business of my own, ere all is over. But the ring uh, must not come near Isengard, if that can be by any means be prevented. The gap of Rohan is close to us while we go um, uh, uh, go with the bearer. And then he goes on to say, When you came uh, north, Boromir, you were in the enemy's eyes only one stray wanderer from the south, and a matter of small concern to him. His mind was busy with the pursuit of the ring. But... You return now as a member of the ring's company, and you are in peril as long as you remain with us. The danger will increase with every league that we go south under naked sky. So, like, Boromir is just, he is feeding into the stereotype that Frodo has of the big folk. That they're really stupid, and they're very unobservant. And I, I'm guessing <laughs> that, like, Boromir was really the type of person that he had in mind. Because Boromir is very short-sighted. He thinks that while I'm a noble man of Gondor and everything's just going to go my way because I'm a noble man of Gondor. And Gandalf's like, look, there's a whole, whole lot of information that you're not considering here. Gandalf does not care for Boromir. No, he does not. Like, that's very evident as we, like, work through this chapter is that, like, Gandalf has, like, never-ending patience with the hobbits and especially with Pippin, but he has, like, no patience with Boromir. And I'm wondering how much that has to do with the fact that Gandalf is particularly known for his friendship with hobbits and how much he loves their lore. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm remembering cor correctly, like, his main connection to them, his love of them really comes from the fact that he likes smoking and they have some really good tobacco. <laughs> um, but he has little patience for, for the men just because, I mean, he knows about them. He's obviously well-versed in the lore of men. You don't really see him or really hear about him just being on super friendly terms with like the men of Gondor or anything. I mean, when he when he um, is rescued by Gwehir and is delivered over to Rohan and he meets uh, the king of Rohan in Edoras. I'm shouting out a lot of proper names to show him my Tolkien cred. <laughs> Basically, when he's brought to Rohan, he's like, hey, give me the horse. Like the king does not really care for him. He wants him to be kicked out. Yeah. Well, and then Gandalf takes his best horse <laughs> yes he does because gandalf is awesome like gandalf is swear swearing alert he's the most badass person in this entire book <laughs> like he doesn't care what anybody thinks he's got these mystical magical powers he does not feel the need, need to explain to himself but he's also so awesome because like he he just is just a guy sometimes Yes, but I want you to keep that in mind as we get to a point later on in this chapter that I want to discuss about how awesome Gandalf is. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll continue. So they, how do they end up making, uh, um, um, oh yeah. How, how do they end up like making their decision? Cause I know that they, uh, they kind of like punt that off to Frodo since he's the ring bearer. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like the group kind of divides in half and you have like, like, Gandalf and Gimli, who are like, we're going into Moria, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have, like, the other hobbits, or the hobbits, who are kind of like, I don't know about that. Uh, and Frodo wants to sleep on it. Mm -hmm. And so they try to sleep on it, but then they are attacked by wolves. <laughs> yes, and these aren't just, like, 
ordinary wolves like you'd encounter in the wild. These we these are like dark, evil, magical, sentient wolves. Like, they're wargs. Yeah, they're wargs. Like they're the same type of wolf as like the guy as the wolf that bit off the hand of uh of Baron. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of wolf. Yeah. And so they have to fight wolves all night. But then when they wake up, there's no sign that the wolves were ever there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love the description of. Well, I want to I want to pause here on on two ninety eight because there was a. I'm not even sure if I'm getting. Um, yeah. So they they first identify that there are wolf voices coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aragorn kind of identifies them. Um, uh, and they have like a, a a fun exchange on here, where basically Boromir and Aragorn speak in proverbs, <laughs> where Boromir begins, "Then let us start at uh, as soon as it is light tomorrow, if we can." The wolf that one hears is worse than the orc that one fears. True," said Aragorn, loosening his sword in its sheath. But where the warg howls, there the, also the orc prowls. <laughs> And I'm just wondering what the uh, Middle Earth equivalent to Proverbs is, because we got lots of songs and singing and lore, but I just, like, want, like, all these, like, (laughs) rhyming things, all these, like, rhyming Proverbs, but with, you know, where the ant sleeps, there the woodpecker (laughs) creeps. Uh, Yeah, I I have nothing. (laughs) I don't have a fun joke to add to that. No. Um, Sam also had a great line right after that where he says, uh, my heart's right down in my toes, Mr. Pippin, but we aren't etting yet, and there are some stout folk here with us. Whatever may be in store for old Gandalf, I'll wager it isn't in a wolf's belly. Yeah, there is some nice, like, genre awareness from Sam. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, you know how wizards don't die in stories like this? They don't get eaten by wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you call that genre awareness. It's the opposite of genre blindness. Is that something that authors regularly talk about? I don't know. I think it's a TV trope, actually. Oh, really? I think I've seen it on TV tropes, yeah. Yeah, so explain what genre awareness and genre blindness are. Well, at least here, like, (laughs) the way I'm using it is, and this might not actually be how the TV trope works, because it's been a while since I've, like, really perused TV tropes in depth. But, um, basically it's that, like, the character in the story is, like, to a certain degree aware of the type of story that they're in Mm -hmm. and aware of the, like, the conventions of that genre. It would kind of be, like, the opposite of, like, going into, like, a horror film and it's just, like... Like, they're in the creepy house, and then, like, the girl's like, I'm gonna go take a shower now. It's like, no, there's gonna be someone with a knife, there's gonna be someone's hand reaching through the clog, there's gonna be, like, yeah. poison dripping through the uh, shower head. Yeah, so if you were a character with a lot of genre awareness, then I think you would go into the creepy house, and when someone said, let's split up, you would be like, no, let's exit out the front door immediately. <laughs> In a calm, collected voice. And call the police. If we think that Jigsaw's around, <laughs> let someone else handle it. Yeah. They can try the saw. 
point being, Sam knows what's going to happen, or at least knows that Gandalf's not going to die, which, spoiler alert, Gandalf doesn't die. No. Um, Ever? What? Ever? Well, I'm talking about, like, in this particular oh. instance, there's a lot of story to go. <laughs> I know, that's why I was asking. I was like, ever? <laughs> is he going to, like, is Gandalf, does Gandalf have, like, plot immortality? That he's alive as long as the plot's around? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ironically, he dies of old age. <laughs> Just, like, sitting in a rocker smoking. Man, old age for Gandalf would have to be, like, billions. Well, he's at least 3,000 years old by this point. Yeah. Because, like, the um, the Astari wizards made their appearance around the beginning of the Third Age, and the Third Age is now 319. I guess now three... Let me let me get my... <laughs> let me get my tale of the years correct before I get corrected. Yeah, so, yeah, 3,000... 3, this is the year 3,019 of the, of the Third Age. So Gandalf is at least 3,019 years old. Correct. <laughs> but he was already an old man by the time he, people started uh, recording that he was there. So yeah, so for him to die of old age, he would have to be like a billion years old. Yep. <laughs> anyway, enough about Gandalf's age. That's so not they, really important at all. <laughs> so they like climb up to this small hill and they light a fire uh, up at the top. And I like what Tolkien writes here, he says, in the midst of this, they lit a fire for there was no hope that darkness and silence would keep their trail from discovery by the hunting packs. And um, I wrote that it sounded like kind of similar to the shelter that they took at Weathertop, mm-hmm. um, where they also built a fire on top of a hill. Um, so I'm wondering if like, wargs and like nazgul like have similarities to where like they can like sense around in the darkness probably because they're wolves probably because they're like dark evil creatures too dark evil creatures tend to have the ability to work in the dark Mm-hmm. yeah um and then late uh, in the next uh in the in the next paragraph they uh they see the typical um evil creature eyes in the darkness mm-hmm. and then gandalf rises up and he says listen hound of sauron gandalf is here fly if you value your foul skin i will shrivel you from tail to snout if you come within this ring which and the wolf's like prove it bro yeah <laughs> and then it immediately gets shot by legolas yes Again, another great description here. Like, Tolkien has some, like, wonderful hits of description in here. Like, uh, on page 299, it says, In the leaping light, as the fresh wood blazed up, Frodo saw many gray shapes spring over the ring of stones. More and more followed. Through the throat of one huge leader, Aragorn passed his sword with a thrust. With a great sweep, Boromir hewed the head off another. Beside them, Gimli stood with his stout legs apart, wielding his dwarf axe. The bow of Legolas was singing. It's like, man, I'm a huge fan of uh, any sort of description of an inanimate object doing something that a person would do or a living thing would do. Yeah. So like, like this morning I was, there's a, there's a description in Psalm 98 where it says the rivers clap their hands. Like rivers don't have hands. I want to know like what was in this like author's mind to come up with that description. 
imagine like waves like hitting the shore of like the, river, the banks of the river. I guess rivers have banks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for sure. Anyway, I'm a fan of that type of writing and type <laughs> of description. Um. And I love like at the end of this this short little ba- battle, um, Sam just comes back and says, "What I tell you, Mister Pippin, wolves won't get him. That was an eye opener, and no mistake." Nearly singed the head off my head. <laughs> I love Sam. <laughs> I know you love Sam. Um, so what happens right after that? Uh, well, right after that is when they wake up and they find out that there is no sign of the wolves. <laughs> um, because they were, to quote Gandalf, no ordinary wolves. Um, what happens then? Oh, then they set out. They decide that they're going to Moria. They don't really make a decision about that, though, do they? Like, did I miss a point where, like, Frodo's like, hey, I've decided we're going to Moria? Or did they just, like, wake up after the wolves and be like, that's what we're doing? Like, I don't see that anywhere. But anyway, they head on towards the gate, or towards the doors, mm-hmm. um, which Gandalf swears he knows where they are and how to get into them. Right. Um which is perhaps slightly less than true. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gandalf says that the last time, I don't know exactly where it is in, in this chapter, but when like Gandalf had been through Moria once before, but he came from the other side. Right. Because when they actually like get, like get to the doors, Boromir is like, I thought you've been here before. How come you don't know how to get inside? And Gandalf's like, shut up, Boromir. I came the other way. <laughs> yes. And he's also like, so so basically they come to this, this like huge, huge valley where there used to be this like big wa- rush of waterfall, mm-hmm. but this, um, this river had been dammed up. So there's this big lake now filling the valley and they have to like kind of teeter around the edge of it to get to the doors. Mm-hmm. And when they get to the doors, it takes a while for Gandalf to even get them to like appear because it's got like the same, I think it's the same type of magic that uh, kept the map uh, hidden in the Hobbit where yeah. like it could only be viewed under certain circumstances. and there's a beautiful, beautiful illustration on uh, page uh, 30, uh, 305 of what the gate looks like. And it's just, it. I love like the way it's both described and the way it's drawn because it's supposed like the, the magical door itself is a representation of a time when dwarves and elves were actually friends. Because on the door, there's this... Um, uh, there's this uh, crown with seven stars and this hammer and anvil that's supposed to represent the uh, it's the symbol for Durin, who's like the progenitor of a bunch of, of of a bunch of dwarves. There are the two trees, which are the symbols for the elves, and then there's the star of I think it's the star of Theonor that is on there. Um, and there's like all this um, this elvish on there. It's in Sindarin. So there's like they, they spend like a lot of time actually talking about how elves used to when elves actually populated Holland, they would come through uh, Moria regularly, and a lot of times these doors would just be open. There'd be just a couple guards outside, but you know now they're sealed shut, and there's you know barred entry for some reason. Did Tolkien draw this? Yes. 
It's very nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that with a caveat because like I'm I'm ninety percent confident that he actually that he drew that because mm-hmm. like the script on the ring he drew. Mm-hmm. Um but I know that Christopher Tolkien uh especially had a lot of hand when it came to like drawing some of the maps. So ninety percent confident if I'm wrong, listeners, please correct me. But I believe that Tolkien drew this himself. Cool. Yeah. Well, Backing up just like a little bit before they come to the doors, um, Gandalf drops some unfortunate news at the top of page 302, which I did not care for. Yeah, that was, that was the worst. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those of you that are following along in a different edition, the top of page 302 is where Gandalf breaks the news to Frodo that Bill the Pony will not be accompanying them through Moria. Yeah, and they basically just have to send him back. Yeah, they basically just have to be like, sorry, Bill, hope you can find your way home. (laughs) Yeah, but it's so stinking ominous, too, because, like, again, there are a bunch of wolves out there. Yes. And it was not an easy path to get there, and there were a bunch of spies and everything. But, like, Gandalf said, like, I know that he would follow us in there, but, like... It's terrifying in Moria. Like, yeah. it would be, it's a lot, he has a better shot with wolves than going into these mines. Which, if you're one of the hobbits, you're thinking, holy crap, Gandalf. <laughs> I want to take Bill can back I, to Can Rivendell. I ride back with Bill to... <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if I'm ever going to hear about Bill again after this chapter, but I hope I do, and I hope he gets a happy pony ending. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was so sad. What, what was the, uh, um, like, um, yeah, on page 302, Gandalf says, but in any case, we cannot take the poor beast into the, into the mines. The road under the mountain is a dark road, and there are places narrow and steep which he cannot tread, even if we can. Poor old Bill, said Frodo. I had not thought of that. And poor Sam, I wonder what he will say. I am sorry, said Gandalf. Poor Bill has been a useful companion. And it goes to my heart to turn him adrift now. I would have traveled lighter and brought no animal, least of all this one that Sam is fond of, if I had had my way. I feared all along that we should be obliged to take this road. And it's just... Poor pony. <laughs> I know. Well, we're, there was even like more heartbreaking description when they finally do send him away as they're about to... Um... Yes, that is... A little bit later. At the bottom of page 303 is where they tell Sam that they can't take Bill, which is also heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and Gandalf, like, does his, like, whole little wizard magic, and he says, Go with words of God and, and guiding on you. You are a wise beast, and have learned much in Rivendell. Make your ways to places where you can find grass, and so come in time to Elrond's house, or wherever you wish to go. Being all wizardy. That's one of those instances where I'm like, is he actually, like, doing, like, some cool wizard stuff, or is he just, like, saying that to, like, make Sam feel better? Yeah, I wonder if that's, like, the equivalent of, like, when you're a little kid and your parents tell you that, like, they took your dog to, like, a farm to live where he was going to be really happy, and they didn't actually take your dog to a farm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My parents never did that. No. No. We did once have a funeral for a goldfish that I thought we buried in the backyard, but we actually flushed down the toilet. Because it's a goldfish. Because it was a goldfish, but I thought we, like, you know, laid it to rest in the backyard, and we did not. <laughs> yeah. You know, there is, uh, like, 
this this paragraph percent just makes me like so sad. Um, you know, Sam stood, stood sullenly by the pony and returned no answer. Bill, seeming to understand well what was going on, nuzzled up to him, putting his gnome to Sam's ear. Sam burst into tears and fumbled with the straps, unlading all the ponies' packs and throwing them on the ground. The others sorted out the goods, making a pile of all that could be left behind and dividing up the rest. It's really sad. It's so sad. <laughs> because Sam is the type of person where it's just like, how can you not love him? He should never be sad ever for any reason. Exactly. Anything that makes Sam sad is bad. <laughs> yes. So they have to let Bill the Pony go. And, at, you know, while they're letting him go, uh, uh, Gandalf reveals the door and he has to sit there and figure out what the password is to get in the door. Because the password to get in the door, like, you basically can't get in here without a password. Right. Like, he tries, like, a couple of different things where he's, like, shouts commands at it and is, like, using enchantments at it. But there's there's no shot. He has to, he has to get a password. Yeah. So near the bottom of page 307, just before the line break, um, I like that Gandalf, who has been trying to open the door for about a page and a half now, um, and has also, you know, had his little exchange with Boromir, where Boromir's like, I thought you'd been to Moria once before. And so Gandalf is a little on edge, I'll admit. But <laughs> right before the break on page 307, it says, then he threw his staff on the ground and sat down in silence. I've never done anything like that. I'm pretty sure Gandalf is throwing a 3,000-year-old wizard temper tantrum. <laughs> be fair, he knows a lot of stuff, and it's just kind of like, if I don't know the password, we're, like, like, they've not, like, let's just pause for a second. Their journey from Rivendell has sucked. Yes. Like, nothing has gone right for them at all. And it just seems like the odds are continually stacked against them. There are birds flying in the air that might be spies. There are, like, there's unknown country around them. Like, Aragorn doesn't exactly know, like, what's going on. Um, mountain is actually, like, the, the terrain itself, <laughs> the geography is working against them. There are wolves out there, and now they're in a road that they, their last ditch road, and they can't get through the doors. <laughs> Because Gandalf doesn't know the password. <laughs> yeah, I wrote on the on the uh, page earlier that the uh, password had to be something like lemon drop. Yes. <laughs> because I assume that these gates have the same passwords as Dumbledore's office. Well, the password of Dumbledore's office changes though. This is true, but I've watched Chamber of Secrets a number of times, and I remember <laughs> that password more than the other password. <laughs> Yeah, so, finally, after his little temper tantrum, um, they start to hear some more wolves, which alarms Bill, who is soon going to be left to deal with the wolves himself, because Gandalf is a mean old man. <laughs> um, but then Gandalf figures out the password. Because it was written there the whole time. <laughs> Hidden in plain sight. Yep. The, uh, the, what's written on the door says to speak friend and enter. Mm -hmm. And rather than saying speak, comma, friend, comma, and enter. Mm -hmm. It's literally saying, say the word friend and, and you can. You can say the in. word 
friend. Yeah, and you can cover that. <laughs> Which I'm guessing, again, that password was also, it was written in a time mm-hmm. when, like, things were, like, less hostile and there wasn't as much of an emphasis on, okay, make sure that your password has uh, a mixture of capital lowercase letters, <laughs> numbers, and special characters, and is at least eight characters long. Yes, not quite as difficult to get into Moria at the time. At no point did Legolas be like, hey, it actually says that the password, because Legolas speaks Elvish, right? He's an elf. He is an elf. I again I keep I keep forgetting which I know he's I know he's a wood elf, I know he's from Mirkwood. I keep forgetting like which which of the sundering of the elves he is. Oh. But I don't like based on this whole interaction, like Legolas has never come here before. Okay. So again I was just wondering if he could like read the writing on it. Yeah. And, like, maybe... Because, like, it seems like, basically, Gandalf made a small grammatical error, and that caused all the confusion. Right. Was that he was translating it with commas when it didn't need to be translated with commas. I mean, it's a riddle, too. Yeah, but... And so I wondered if, like, Legolas could maybe, like, step in and be like, oh, no, you... No, you... that This is what it means. But, I mean, clearly, I guess he can't, because he didn't do that, or else he's just a jerk. (laughs) I would, I would actually like to go with the uh, Legolas was a jerk theory. He knew the answer the whole time and just wasn't telling them. That, like, that, that makes absolutely no sense given the context because Legolas is not anxious to meet up with anything um, inside or outside of Moria. <laughs> like, oh, great. Like, we don't have to go into Moria, but we got to fight these wolves again. Um, but no, like, yeah, I I don't think that, that Legolas had come there before. Um, well, cause, like, so far, Legolas has been one of the quieter members of the Fellowship. Yeah. Like, you hear a lot from, like, Boromir. Yeah. But, like, you don't hear a lot from, like... like Well, we've heard a lot from Gimli in this chapter. I feel like Legolas and Aragorn have both been, like, relatively quiet. Yeah. Recently. hmm Yeah, and... um, I had a thought. I mean, I guess that just happens when you have, like, nine people. Yeah. Like, nine major characters all mm-hmm. trekking about together. Right. But, anyway. Yeah. We skip the part where uh, Boromir um, decides that, uh, gets upset too, and throws his own little tantrum. <laughs> just picks up a rock and just throws it. And it's, like, such, like, a childish thing to do, but at the same time, it's such, like, a man thing to do. Yes, it is. Like, (laughs) it's such a man thing to just be like, the door won't open, and then just grab a boulder and just chuck it into the water. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why this is, but, like, a lot of men, myself included, like, it makes us feel better to punt, like, if, if we get frustrated, like, rather than, like taking time to chill out and come come back at it again or just like you know calming down slowing our breathing and doing the rational thing which is to check our emotions and then to go back because again men are always like hey, why are you being so emotional that's crap like we're, we're just as emotional as women are it's just we like to express our emotion when we get frustrated by, by punching rocks. something <laughs> i need to destroy something that makes the situation better yeah and 
And he gets rebuked by Frodo. It's not even Gandalf that calls him out this time. Like, Frodo's like, why'd you do that, Boromir? <laughs> like, playing into every single stereotype. Yeah. Well, and he made everything worse by doing that. Yes, he did. Because, like, then, like, the doors open and they're like, woo, doors are open. But Boromir has, like woken the kraken in this like little pool of water yes <laughs> and like now they're being chased by these like evil snake things yeah it's like basically like a giant octopus with like infinity tentacles yeah <laughs> and they have to like rush inside and fight it off and they finally do like fight it off and then the doors like collapse on it and now they're stuck in there yeah like it's not like they can, like, go back if this, like, if they find danger and, like, basically take their last-ditch route, which would have been to go through the Gap of Rohan close to Isengard. Yeah. Nope, they're, they have to go through the other side now. Yeah. So, thanks, Boromir. <laughs> yeah. The last we heard from Bill, too, was when, uh, um, when the Kraken thing showed up. Um, it says... On page 308, Bill the Pony gave a wild neigh of fear and turned tail and dashed away along the late side into the darkness. Sam leaped after him, and then hearing Frodo's cry, he ran back again, weeping and cursing. Aww. This is the worst day in the world for Sam. I hope at some point we can, like, check back in, like, with the gang at Rivendell and just find out that Elrond's like, Look who's here! It's Bill the Pony! <laughs> I'm imagining what else is going on at Rivendell during that time, like, you know, because they can't do anything. Like, they're not sending anybody else out at the time, so they're just like, all right. Anybody got, like, another song they want to sing? Bilbo. <laughs> well, but... Want to sing a song now? You also have to imagine, like, from their perspective, like, they're not, like, if they're not like, communicating with, like, the Fellowship of the Ring at all, and Bill the Pony just comes wandering up one day, they have to be like, oh, they're all dead? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not good? Yeah, honestly, this is one of those moments, like, reading about this, like, it's it's such a terrible fate mm -hmm. to, like, be part of the Fellowship and have to, like, walk headfirst in the danger, and you could die, you could be tortured, you could be, like, bred into an orc. No. That's a thing that can happen. That's can, why orcs exist. They can orcs. turn you into an orc? Yes. Like Cybermen? Not like, like getting turned into Cybermen? like getting turned into a Cyberman, but like orcs exist. Like orcs, goblins exist. They're, they're elves who were tortured and bewitched and mutilated into orcs. Like all orcs were once elves. Well, that's horrifying! Yes, it is. Why aren't they just their own thing? And Harry Potter goblins are just their own thing. <laughs> yeah, but also goblins ran banks. These these goblins don't. I mean, they're elves. Elves are really smart. They could probably open up. Probably could. They would have a better economic system than the uh, elves. Oh, I don't want to get you room. started on that. <laughs> the economics, the Gringotts, I'll keep it short. Gringotts <laughs> makes no sense because they keep all the money in the vaults and they don't lend it out to anybody. And therefore, the bank can't collect any money. How did James and Lily Potter buy their house? Exactly. 
Exactly. <laughs> anyway, it's for a different podcast, but... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's a pretty big question because, again, how does the loan system work? Are you allowed to trade securities on a wizarding market? Did they buy it? Did they buy... Because they lived in a place that also had muggles. Did they buy their house from muggles? Did they have to get a muggle mortgage? <laughs> I'm just imagining some sort of wizard banker sitting up. Hi, I've... <laughs> I'm Bill Billingsley, and I, I have Muggle Mortgage. The reason I have Muggle Mortgage is because Billingsley is a very Muggle-sounding name. I didn't get a cool name. Yeah, that's that's a question. Or, or like, again, lots, lots of questions as it relates to the economic. Because it's not just that we've got our own schools... It's not that just we got our own stores. It's that we trade in a completely different currency, and that throws everything off. Man, now I have a lot of questions. Not but for the podcast. this is a Tolkien podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So they go into Moria. <laughs> they do. But they're not, like, gung-ho. Like you're... <laughs> No. <laughs> Sorry, I, like, punched the air when I said we're going into more. I mean, Gimli's kind of like that because he's like, oh, I'm going to get to see Balin and I'm going to see like what this pl- awesome place is. I don't think he's going to get to see Balin. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. And you know this is not going well like at first because they're walking in almost pitch darkness mm-hmm. because Gandalf has his staff and it, like that's what's lighting the way. And they're having to like navigate through these tight crevices and it's just like a very very creep of uh creepy place like one um uh one description on page 311 is the mines of moria were a vast and in were vast and intricate beyond the imagination of gimli glowing sun dwarf of the mountain race though he was to gandalf the far-off memories of a journey long before were now of little help but even in the gloom and despite all the wanderings of the road he knew whether whither he wished to go, and he did not falter as long as there was a path uh, that led toward his goal. So, like, this is kind of like, I'm I'm imagining this is like a project, like, like the Mines of Moria are like a project that, like, never got finished. Because yeah. it's just like, intricate tunnels, unfinished roads, places, like, dug far and deep underneath the mountain, and, like, the dwarves themselves like don't even know yeah. what all is in this mountain. I have a question for you. Okay. On page three eleven and about the and about the middle of it, mm-hmm. there's a line that says, He is sure of finding the way home in a blind night than the cats of Queen Beruthiel. That sounds like something I'm interested in. Tell me more about that. I knew you were <laughs> gonna ask that question. I wrote notes in the margins. Okay. So Queen Beruthiel does not, like, have, like, her own, like, own story in, like, the canon that was published of Middle-Earth while Tolkien was alive. Mm-hmm. She appears in Unfinished t- Again, this is all coming from, I think, Tolkien Gateway, and, and I wrote this down kind of hastily as I was reading this, so I'm probably butchering this a lot. But Queen Beruthiel was uh, a character in the Unfinished Tales, and she was an evil evil Numenorian queen. So you've got like the Numenorian race is the race of men on that island that was like had like lived for a long time and they were like the high and noble kings and that was like the island that like you know 
men didn't have Valinor, the Undying Lands, but they had Numenor, mm-hmm. which is their their version of the like lost noble land. And so that's the race of people that Queen Beruthiel comes from. She has nine black cats, one white. And there's a line that I found where it said she knew those things that men wished to keep hidden and her cats helped collect them. And it says Tolkien described her in 1966. She was one of those people who loathe cats, but cats will, uh, what was it like sump on them? Or like will basically latch onto them uh, and follow them about. So I I think that she's like I'm picturing her like the queen from Snow White. I was gonna say I'm picturing her like a classic evil queen from Disney, yes. but with a lot of cats. Yes. Which is pretty much what I want to grow up to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lyric's actually wearing the standard English major uniform right now of black pants and black shirt. And also, you were wearing black shoes. Are you wearing black socks? No, I didn't wear any shoes today. Oh, oh well, I saw your black shoes earlier out there. Oh, class. I wore those yesterday. Ooh. <laughs> With my black sweater on skinny jeans ensemble. <laughs> also part of the English major canon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a uh, a red shirt and gray pants because I took off my work shirt, but not my uh, YMCA race series shirt. Yeah. So everyone playing Talking Tolkien trivia, what are Lyric and David wearing today? Yeah. I'm also wearing my uh, 2016 Cubs World Series champions hat because this might be the last night that I get to wear them as wear this hat um, while they are the reigning World Series champions. It's always next year. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy at the game last night who wore a shirt that said there's always last year. <laughs> I was like, oh, don't say that, man. Um, anyway, anyway, yeah. So they're they're wandering through the dark. Uh, there's another great description later on in the next paragraph where it says, uh, there were fissures and chasms in the walls and floor, and every now and then a crack would open right before their feet. The widest was more than seven feet across, and it was long before Pippin could summon enough courage to leap over the dreadful gap. The noise of churning water came up from far below as some, as if some great mill wheel was churning in the depths. It's like they are suddenly in a video game. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, you've got like all these like cracks opening up. Jump over them. Yeah. I'm forgetting. There was this video game that was like the, like, I've never been like freaked out playing a, a video game. Except for this one video game. I'll have to look it up and talk about it next week. But, like, when I was in college, I was friends with, like, these two guys. And we would, like, always, um, like, like, like Eric Nally was, like, very obsessed uh, with playing. Gosh, I can't remember the video game. But it was, like, you would, like, be in these dark rooms. And then all of a sudden, like, these zombies would jump out at you. Uh... And they would always play it in the dark. It was freaky. And they loved it. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I can't deal with. That's what I'm I'm imagining this as. It's just like, you're in the dark, you don't know where you're going, and at any moment something can jump out at you and grab you. I don't do well in the dark in general. Like, I don't like walking out to our living room when the lights are out. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, you you don't like that. You don't like going through the parking lot. No, I don't like being in parking lots at night. Yeah. I just don't like the dark. Yeah. In general. (laughs) Despite the fact that you've adopted the dark as your wardrobe. Yes. Well, that's this is dark enough. <laughs> <laughs> I say as one of the palest people on the planet. <laughs> yeah. 
One thing that that comes out of this too is we get a, a another description that harkens back to uh, the events at Weathertop. I'll, I'll read it here. It says, um, um, though he had been healed in Rivendell of his knife stroke, that grim wound had not been without effect. His senses were sharper and more aware of the things that could not be seen. One sign of change that he soon had noticed was that he could see more in the dark than any of his companions, save perhaps Gandalf. And he was in any case the bearer of the ring. It hung upon his uh, its chain against his breast, and whiles it and at whiles it seemed a heavy weight. He felt the certainty of evil ahead and of evil following, but he said nothing. He gripped tighter on the hilt of his sword and went on doggedly. I'm wondering what the heck was he seeing? Right? Because Tolkien does not tell us. Right? Like, is it just like he's got, like, night vision and can, like, just, like, he can, like, like greater than anybody else, like, discern, like, where the path is and everything? Or is it just, like, I'm seeing, like, ghosts in here? That would be terrifying. Wouldn't it? Yes. It would be What it, kind of ghosts live in a place like Moria? Dwarf ghosts. But like haven't there also been like orcs and junk yep. in there? Well that would be terrifying. Yes. Oh. This I'm is not... why they did not want to go here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there's another good description on, on that same page, page three twelve where uh it says, uh there was no sound but the sound of their own feet, this dull stump of Gimli's dwarf boots, the heavy tread of Boromir, the light step of Legolas, the scoff, the soft, scarce-heard patter of Hobbit feet, and in the rear, slow, firm footfalls of, footfalls of Aragorn with his long stride. Man. It's just, again, I want to reiterate, like, Tolkien sometimes just has these phrases of, like, just the most regular things happening. I mean, he could write about, like, he breathed, but he does it in a way where it's just like you can hear the you could hear him exhaling as if the memories of some dark distant past were being expunged from his memory. Um, I know we need to move on because we are running starting to run a little bit short on time. Yeah. But I do want to point out that like they're lost in the dark, like there's sort of like the impression that there's something else in the dark with them and Gandalf has to take a smoke break. Yes. <laughs> so they come to like this this like this these three doorways mm -hmm. and Gandalf has no like like no recollection of the place at all and they just have to sit there for a long time. And the first thing that happens is that uh that Pippin like goes up to a well mm -hmm. and like lets a stone drop in a loose well in the dark and then they hear like these uh it, it's written tom tap tom uh, tom tap tap tom like yeah. it's and it's not the sound of the stone falling it's like some sort there's of there's something in there there's some sort of signal going in there and like gandalf's like you're really isa he calls him fool of a toque yeah um yeah it says yeah, fool of a tooth. This is a serious journey, not a hobbit walking party. Throw yourself in next time, and then you will be of no further nuisance. Now be quiet! I do feel like Gandalf has way more patience for Pippin than he does for Boromir, though. Yes, he does. Like, had Boromir done that, I think Gandalf would have just pushed him on in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, Denethor. I killed your kid. My bad. My bad. <laughs> um. It's, uh... Sorry, I'm trying to leave. There's, I wrote something very tiny and I can't read it because I was trying to fit it in like a page break. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so Gandalf sits there. He's just like, 
he even lets Pippin sleep, mm-hmm. and he just sits there like staring for what was it like six hours? Yeah, something like that. And he and he's like, ah, I need to smoke. And then, <laughs> and to, to his credit, he figures it out. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, bro, like you're 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 chewing out Pippin for like letting stones drop, and you like you get mad at Boromir for like throwing a rock in there, but then you're like, let's light some smoke, like. Do you not think that orcs have the capacity to discern what tobacco smoke smells like? Especially in the darkness, where, like, your keen senses are going to be of hearing uh, tastes, like, basically non-seeing senses. Yeah. Well, so, like, after they figure out um, which way they're going, um, the next, like, little section ends with something rather creepy. Mm Mm-hmm. Where it says, as the road climbed upwards, Frodo's spirit rose a little, but he still felt oppressed, and at times he heard, or thought he heard, away behind the company and beyond the fall and patter of their feet, a following footstep that was not an echo. Mm. Something is following them. (laughs) It's not a great place. No, it's not. And it just makes you wonder, like... I mean, we find out why Gimli wants to come here mm-hmm. at the end of the chapter because it's like, like when you get to the the eastern part of it, it's really really cool. Yeah. But like in the western part of it, and the part they're at, it's just like, man, why would you be in this place? Well, my question was, so they're in like a creepy dark place, and they're in the being, misty mountains, yes. And they're being followed. Is Gollum down there? <laughs> what? What would what would make you think? Spoilers, what? (laughs) What would make you think that? Is it actually Gollum? Was I right? Spoilers. Because, like, I don't know. I haven't read ahead, but that's what I wrote in the thing. I mean, they're in... I'm going to be, like, really proud of myself, because I thought that was just, like, an off-the-wall guess. Really? I'm going to be really proud of myself if it turns out... What would you... What's your... Like, what would be your, like, your sincere guess? I don't know. Some monster. Yeah. Some, I mean, I, to be fair, Gollum probably falls into that category, He is a too, monster, but... yes. And he's not with the elves anymore. No. So, I don't know. I was just like, they're being followed by something. It's dark. Gollum. Yeah, and, and again, they're, it, it does set itself up for Gollum, because they're like, they're in, they're underneath the Misty Mountains in orc-infested tunnels. Yep. <laughs> Where did we last see Gollum? We've seen this before. And you know who was with them? Gandalf. Yeah. But um, I will I will give away a spoiler here. Frodo does not find a second ring. Oh. Is there a riddle game? No. Oh. The riddle game was speak friend and enter. Oh. That that would have probably been the equivalent. That's more of a riddle than what's in my pocket. It is. That's the thing, is that like what was it? I forget, like, where it was. I think it was in um, Concerning Hobbits, where they're talking about how, like, whether, like, Bilbo actually followed the rules, but it's just, like, the authorities at B, or whatever they are, like, it doesn't matter, because, like, Gollum accepted that as a riddle and tried to solve it. So, regardless of whether the question was valid, <laughs> he kind of, it was an unforced error on Gollum's part. <laughs> and to think, he could have eaten him. And gotten his precious back. And man, we would have had a much worse story. We would have had a much worse story, but, you know, the Hobbit's lives would have been easier. Up until a point. 
Well, it depends on how long it takes evilness to get to the Shire when it doesn't have a ring in there. Well, the shadow has been gathering for, for some time. Well, yeah, but it wouldn't have come to the Shire if the ring wasn't there. True, but eventually the not, shadow would have covered all of them. Not as quickly, and all these hobbits could have died, and then it would have been someone else's problem. Yeah. Or <laughs> Fradow. <laughs> Fradow and Pam. <laughs> Fradow and Pam. <laughs> the most unfortunately named children ever. The most popular sitcom in the Shire. Fred Al and Pam <laughs> Hijinks in the hole. Ew. <laughs> That's awful. Again, they're talking about Hobbit golf. <laughs> this is a family podcast lyric. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um Yeah, so they walk in the darkness. They think uh, Frodo thinks they're being followed. And on page 315, Gandalf says, At last we are coming to the habitable parts, but uh, and I guess we are not far from the eastern side, but we are high up, a good deal higher than the Dimrel Gate, unless I am mistaken. From the feeling of the air, we must be in a wide hall. I will now risk a little light. He raised his staff, and for a brief instant there was, a, there was a blaze like a flash of lightning. Great shadows sprang up and fled, and for a second they saw a vast roof far above their heads, upheld by many mighty pillars and hewn of stone. Before them, and on either side, stretched a huge empty hall. Its black walls, polished and smooth as glass, flashed and glittered. Three other entrances they saw, dark black arches, one straight before them eastward, and one on the either side. Then the light went out. That is all I shall venture on for the present, said Gandalf. There used to be great windows on the mountainside, and shafts leading out to the light on the upper reaches of the mines. I think we have reached them now, but it is night outside again, and we cannot tell until morning. So they're they're reaching the end of of the mines. They're mm -hmm. like in the part where like it makes sense for for Gimli to be excited because right. this seems like the place where there could be lots of festivity and merriment. Yes, and there's there's a song sung. There is a song. Yes, Gimli sings a song, right? Yes, he does, yes. and he he tells the origin uh the origin story of Durin, mm -hmm. and the mythology is that um. That they were created by uh, I I'm butchering the pronunciations, but they were created by Ayule. Um and the mythology goes that so Ayule is one of the Valar and he created the dwarves because he wanted a people of his own. But God, Eru Iluvatar, said like you can't like these these dwarves are not my children. Like my children are the elves and men. And so, like Ayule like rose up his hammer to like destroy his creation. And God was like, well, no, don't do that. Like just make them sleep until like the elves wake up, okay? And then you can have your dwarves. And so, the original seven that um, uh, that Ayule created are those seven stars on the crown, and Durin was one of them. And he and his brand of elves were called Durin's folk, folk, or this is very ironic, the Longbeards. Not ironic at all. No, it's not. I know. <laughs> it's being beard. facetious. Um, but there's there's a mythology around him. Yeah. Um. So the elves from or the dwarves from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Who do they belong to? 
Snow White. They're, they're, not, they're are different. They, are they Durin's too, or do they? Uh, well, they're different because of the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh yeah, that's a good point. That yeah, dwarf yeah, dwarfs and dwarves. Like dwarves was something that Tolkien insisted on, and in some of his editions, I think it was like the first edition, the editor changed, like corrected mm-hmm. the uh cor- corrected elf. Or elves to elves, or corrected elves to elves, mm-hmm. and dwarves to dwarves, and Tolkien was really upset about it. So he's insisting on calling <laughs> them dwarves, and I don't know the story about this. I saw an article about it, but I didn't read it. But I mean, he didn't really care for the depiction of the seven dwarves in Snow White. Oh. But he and he and Lewis were not Disney fans. Well, that doesn't preclude anybody from being a Disney fan <laughs> and a Tolkien or Lewis fan. It's just they themselves were not fans of the Disney. That's because they didn't live in the era of the Disney Renaissance. Right. I'm sure that Tolkien would have absolutely fawned over the Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the... Um, the origin, the so this this song that Gimli sings is an origin story for his, for uh, basically the dwarves and talks about Durin and explains that there's a belief among the dwarves that Durin didn't actually die, that he's just asleep and that he's going to be resurrected and be alive once again. Um, but yeah. we don't really get like an explanation from that. Right. So. And then we end the chapter with. Some bad news for Gimli. Yeah, so um, so Gandalf explains that the orcs, uh, it says on, on 317, the orcs have often plundered Moria. There is nothing left in its other halls. And since the dwarves fled, no one dares to seek the shafts and treasures down in the deep places. They are drowned in water or in a shadow of fear. Then what do the dwarves come back for, asked him. For Mithril, answered, the, answered Gandalf, the wealth of Moria was not in gold and jewels, the toys of the dwarves, nor in iron their servant. Such things they found here, it is true, especially iron, but they did not need to delve for them. All things they desired, they could obtain in traffic. For here alone in the world was found Moria silver, or true silver, as some have called it, Mithril in its elvish names. The dwarves had a name uh, which they do not tell. Um, first of all, the idea of there being the to- like jewels, mm-hmm. being the toys of the dwarves, like made me wonder. It's it's interested that like the Hobbit happened for for toys. Yeah. Because they're like, they're going back to reclaim their gold. Well, you know, the, they really, Thorin, that was his name right yes. there, he wanted, like, the best toy. Yes, he wanted the Arkenstone. <laughs> yeah. But they're still just like, I mean, could you imagine, like, we're going on a great quest to get our Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it, there would be some men who would do that. Well, the Arkenstone was probably like, they're going for the Xbox. There's a brand new iPhone over there. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Give me my iPhone X. Um, um, but but Gandalf and, and Gimli discussed the fact that um that um the Mithril coat which Frodo is now wearing is worth more than the entire value of the of the Shire and everything in it. And I love this paragraph at the end of the page where it says, Frodo said nothing, but he put his hand under his tunic and touched the rings of, this, of his mail shirt. 
he felt staggered to think that he had been walking around about with the price of the Shire under his jacket. That is such a good double meaning sentence. Right? It's like, man, that is fantastic writing. Well, and I also like that Gandalf's just like, I don't know what happened to it. Probably in the museum. I don't know. No, and yeah, and Frodo's like... Yeah, and then Frodo's just like... Yeah, and, and again, Mithril is, is so valuable because it is nearly impenetrable, but it's very light, and you can wear it incognito like Frodo. Mm -hmm. And again, the double meaning of he's wearing the price of the entire Shire under his jacket, because that means the coat, because it has a high economic value, but he's wearing the ring, and if he doesn't <laughs> do stuff with it, then the whole Shire is going to be sold into slavery. Good writing right there. Yeah. Anyway, so they find out that Balin dies. Balin dies. Um, and I would just like to say, I called it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty easy one to call. He'd been missing for like 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they get to the, the company gets to, uh, um, uh, like they get to the, um, oh gosh, they, they get, basically they're, they're, they're near, they're near the end and they enter into, um, a wide corridor and they basically walk upon, stumble upon, uh, Balin's tomb. Who put the tomb there? Other dwarves, probably. Oh. Because he would have, I mean, I'm taking based on this, like, I mean, he died a long, long time ago. Okay. And the like, other and the, dwarves and the, that were with him have just all moved on and died in their own way? They either died, they, like, disappeared into that, or probably, like, just escaped. There's going to be more on this, I suppose, in the next chapter. Okay, well, anyway, Balin's dead to the surprise of no one. Yeah. And that's where the chapter ends. Yeah. Bit of where a Frodo literally just says, he's dead then. <laughs> he's dead, Jim. <laughs> Dr. Frodo McCoy over here. Yeah. Uh, well, and, uh, yeah, so we, we're still in the mines, and we've got the next... Uh, uh, chapter which is called the bridge of casa doom which it has doom in its name so that's never a good that's sign. never a good sign no yeah any any additional thoughts on that i know we went a little bit yeah. over about by about two minutes um i don't think so i think now i'm pretty convinced that Gollum's following them through the dark um but yeah all right well that's my big takeaway <laughs> follow me on the twitter if you want to talk about spoilery stuff david aaron wells you can also hit up the Talk of Tolkien Facebook page. I've 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 had like one consistent message thread going pretty much since the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. There's a rumor that I am occasionally on Tumblr, but it might just be a rumor. There's also a rumor that we have a Tumblr page for this podcast. Mm, that's far more likely to be a rumor. <laughs> yes. Talkintolkien.tumblr.com. Talk Talkin yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.